0: The time has come.
1: I like that.
0: The time is now for Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Ow!
1: Oh we had so much fun last time. Let's do it again. I love, I love that you're dancing to the music. I <laughs> am. I've heard this music so many times. Cheesy game show music. <laughs> I love it. Did you feel like Vanna White or somebody should come out? <laughs> I, Holly. I remember do you ever watch the prices right? Did they have that over there in Jolly Old England? Uh do you know? I don't think so. Oh.
2: Oh no, maybe we had a British version of it.
1: Well they had so a, one of the girls who would do the ta da oh, her yeah. name was Holly and I just and she was blonde and I thought that's what I'm gonna be when I grow up. Uh, it. And yeah. now you're a
2: CNN reporter. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Just the same. How are you? I'm really good. I know because, so let me ask you, how was Greek food? Greek food's one of my favorite foods. You were in Greece.
2: I love it. I love it. There is no, there's nothing better than Greek olive oil. Mm. Oh. Well, there is. What? Italian olive okay, oil. I know Italian olive oil. <laughs> I've had a lot of it. But Greek just olive oil. Just that Mediterranean. Oh, mm. gosh. It's so delicious. And Greece- the tomatoes, or tomatoes, I should say, if I'm here in America, are so delicious. Where Much were better. you in Greece? Well, we went, first of all, to Crete. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the island of Santorini. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the Peloponnese. So we went all around to the Peloponnese: Olympia, Delphi, mm-hmm. um, Athens. Incredible. It was just a great trip. My daughter had been studying Greek. um, Legends and things at school, and she is a huge fan of Percy Jackson, too. So uh, it was the perfect time to take a degree. She, she loved she it. She loves it. She likes I history, bet. too. She's like her mom. I love it. I mm-hmm. do, too. I think it's awesome.
1: Um, it's been years. I, I just remember it being beautiful. Like the water is just gorgeous, and oh my gosh. How long were you gone?
2: We were gone for about—I think we went there for about ten days. But nice. um, talking about water, when we were in Santorini, we went on a boat trip, and it was <laughs> lovely, just on this sailing boat, and we got to swim in the crater the hot springs which is basically the crater of the volcano wow so you come out smelling like sulfur and every your body's kind of orange yellow everywhere and you stink of sulfur for days even though you wash your hair and everything so you stink <laughs> like rotten eggs but it's well worth it because really santorini was is is an island that was created mm. from a volcano so it's just beautiful I don't know how the houses, they, they, they're, they're on the side of those, mm-hmm. those huge great cliffs. And I think they, beautiful fall Did
1: you go over to Eos again? to see the sunset?
2: Uh, yeah, we did, but then, you know, we were staying in such a, a great place where we could see the sunset from where we were staying mm-hmm. as well. So it really was, it was a great holiday. But, but the reason why I want to talk about this is because everywhere we went without fail doesn't no matter mm-hmm. where we we're in the Greek ruins of Delphi or in Olympus or, or anywhere. There were dogs, stray dogs, mm. everywhere, everywhere. Yep. So it didn't surprise me when I read a recent BBC article saying that there are over uh, estimated around a million stray dogs in in Greece. And obviously the debt crisis isn't helping because mm-hmm. dogs can't afford. I mean, people can't afford animals, so they're chucking them out on the streets. Pet store owners are complaining because nobody's buying their products, and a whole load of pet food and everything is being is being stored up and in the uh, Greek ports because nobody's buying it because everyone's throwing their pets out because nobody can afford it. So it's a real tragic situation. I took a lot of photographs of the dogs and the cats that I met there and there are some amazing people doing Mm -hmm. great things. I mean, I, I think, you know, we talk about rescue being difficult in the United States, but rescue in Greece is much harder. People have a different attitude towards dogs and, Uh, Yeah, a lot of obviously a lot of Greeks love dogs and love animals, but a lot of them don't and they're not seen as part of the family and they're disposed of. Mm. So there's a great need for rescue organizations over in Greece. And Even on, just to bring them back
1: to the U.S. I mean, we rescue them from Thailand from the meat trade, and you know maybe it's something that we need to do for a little well,
2: bit. Well, you know, there's got to <clears throat> something's got to be done because be of fixed. course they they're not fixed, so they're they're Breeding little puppies and, and mm. little kitties everywhere, and it's just a desperate situation. And then of course there's disease, and there can be zoonotic diseases that are passed from animals to humans. So But everywhere where you go to all of these amazing ancient sites, there are always dogs. Mm -hmm. And um, those are the lucky ones because, as I have it on good authority, that they do a regular cull just so that the Mm -hmm. tourists aren't too overrun with all the dogs there. So the dogs that you actually see are the ones that have made it through the cull. And I have to say they do have a nice life in one respect because they're completely free. Mm -hmm. They get fed. They're well fed. They've got water. Where are and they, they getting have fed from? Uh, people. People oh, feed okay. them. They do. And then they, they're good hunters, so they catch the things on their own. And they Dumpster have a lot diving. of water to drink. And mm-hmm. they have dens and shelters. So they do have a very free life, much better than a dog in a kennel. But they're, but what's really, really upsetting is that there is a, an amazing rescue in Santorini, which is the island that I went to, um, and there some government officials of santorini want to have this particular animal shelter shut down why
1: i mean they're yeah. the only ones doing anything That's... I, I
2: i don't know and um they're they're wanting people to sign their petition they've had over 800 uh, sorry 8000 people sign their petition um and so if you want to know more about it if you go to Santorini Animal Welfare Organization, Sawa. If you go to their Facebook.com, you can, uh, you'll, we'll have it on our Positively Podcast page. You'll be able to see the issues that they're having there. And these are really good people doing amazing things mm-hmm. for, for the dogs of this country. But it's, it's terrible. I think there's the mayor that wants, um, it wants to take the land away from this rescue oh. so that they can build on its precious oh, land. Oh, there you go, and, and they can make
1: money and. They just want I mean. the
2: rescue out. So, of course, what's going to happen to the dogs? And these people—they don't care about animals; they just care about the money. So, everybody, put their voice to it because mm-hmm. we can't let this mayor get away mm-hmm. with it. And if you're going to and Santorini, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to Santorini, make it known. Make your voice known as well. But. They ain't going to go there if if that's what they do to their animals.
1: Right, because if they need money, well, they need tourist money because that's what they have right now. That's pretty much it at the moment. Um, You know, it's funny as you say that, not funny, but um, I was in Greece years ago, and I saw the same exact thing. I mean, it hasn't changed. There were so many dogs, and as a matter of fact, at one point it was on Santorini, and I was with a girlfriend of mine, and we were going to the beach, and we kept hearing this strange noise. We're like, what is that noise? And we kept, you know, searching, searching, and it was a bar. And out back was a big dumpster and you kind of had to walk on a path to get to. And we kept walked over the dumpster. It was a tiny puppy, the most beautiful puppy. And I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? And so we didn't know, did it's mom leave it here and it's going to come back or whatever. We couldn't take the, the chance. So we picked up the puppy, we got it some water and, um, went into the bar, you know, like, Hey, whatever. And the bartender was like, yeah, yeah, there's millions more like that. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like he was like, yeah, now there's under, you know, it like could matter. care less, could not care less So." um We ended up taking it to the beach, and I'm thinking, all right, well, we're just going to figure out how I'm going to get this darn thing home, and it's now my dog, and there was this woman and her mother and her daughter, so it was like three generations of these women, and I think she had a son, too, and they were on the beach, and the little girl's like, oh, puppy, and they came over, and so, you know, they were German, but they spoke English beautifully, and so she said, is this your dog? And I said, no, I said, we just found it, you know, I don't know what to do with it, and I went to the bar, it's on anybody's, whatever, and so she looked at me, and she goes, we'll take it. And I said, you will. But then, of course, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Who are you? And what do you mean you'll take it? Like, I'm like, are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with it? So I said, oh, I said, are you sure? She said, yeah. She said, we were actually talking about getting a dog. The kids are old enough. And she said, we're, I said, do you live here? She said, no, we're here on holiday. Her husband was some big executive and they were there for some, he was in doing business at some conference. So they brought the whole family to have the beach. And this was their, you know, long weekend or, you know, vacation and while he was working and they were going to take it back to Germany. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, and I could tell the kids were loving on it and the mother was very good. Like, okay, let's, you know, kind of, kind of observed. And then the mother, the the grandmother said to me, and she said, thank you so much for doing this. She said, they live in an 8,000 square foot house and blah, blah, blah. <gasps> and, this, and I was like, oh, my God, can I can they adopt me, too? Wow. I mean, so wow. I felt really good about it. But, you know, one night we were walking and there was a black lab and a a cat and they were kind of palling around. And, of course, we were staying in a place you weren't allowed to have animals. So my friend Peg and I brought him in and uh, we brought him in for the night. We fed them, whatever. And I was thinking, how do I get them home? And the people are like, you can't have animals in here. We're like, we know because they're just all over the place. We actually right. rehome those animals too.
2: But on the f- yeah. No, carry on. What were you going to say about? Well, no, no, I was just I was just saying with um uh, with this whole th- situation that's happening in Santorini, mm-hmm. what's what's difficult for them is that they're trying to get all the animals that they've got in the shelter out to foster homes, um evacuate their animals because I I think this probably is going ahead. I think media and public pressure is is putting a spotlight on this. Mm-hmm. So, um and uh, but what they say is that October, November is traditionally when they rescue the most street dogs because they're dumped by the seasonal staff as the seasonal staff Uh leave the island for the winter, and um, it's also the time of year when illegal poisonings start to take place. Mm. So this is a really catastrophic situation for these dogs and for these poor people who are trying their best. So again, if you want to help or you want to add your voice to petition. To, to the petition go to santorini Animal Welfare Association go to their facebook uh, site and lend your support please
1: uh, you know they should just take a uh, take a note from their neighbor uh, across the mediterranean italy i was in italy a couple weeks ago and everybody well, was in naples i should say so i haven't done research in the, you know on the whole country but in naples in the city of naples which is a very crowded you know La- everybody has big dogs and I was surprised I thought oh my gosh but every single one of those dogs is on a leash every single one of those dogs I saw was well fed well taken care of they were not there were no stray dogs anywhere and you know there's a lot of places for them you know out by the water or we went to Pompeii you didn't see stray dogs. There was like a couple cats, stray cats that lived at a restaurant on the beach, you know, and they fed them and they took them in and the cats have a great life. It's amazing to me how well they're taken care of. Some of the dogs, they would just, every shop owner had a dog and the dog would not be leashed but laid outside, you know, and I was telling you earlier when we first um, saw each other tonight, I, you know we went to this one place. It was a neighborhood and there was this dog came running over and I thought he was coming to me. I'm like, Oh, I love the dog. And he went right past me and sat down and looked up and I was like, what is he doing? And every time a car would come, he would just move out of the way. And then still without taking his eyes off this balcony and then would come back and sit and he sat there and I finally had to ask somebody. And apparently it's some shop owner's dog who's down the street. And every day at three o'clock, this woman who's making dinner would take the scraps from her dinner or whatever she was doing. And throw it over and he and feed the dog from the balcony. He'd go back. He was very well fed. He was very well taken care of. And it, it made me feel good to know in a crowded city like that, even when people have no space to live, you know, it's just, they were dogs. And I would have thought little dogs, you know, you're in part, little tiny places. They were big dogs and they were beautiful. And then, oh, I do have a picture for you. Maybe we can put it on the podcast there was a dog walker. We could put it on the, On. on I'll, I'll set the link up. Um, there was a dog walker. He had nine dogs. Oh, well, I, I beat him. And they were, but, yeah, you did. but the most amazing thing is like they were so calm and whatever. And they people would come up to him. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, the only thing I said, dogs I used to, have work, you had I once. Used
2: to um, walk 20 dogs. No way. Yeah, I did when I was a dog walker. But I, no, I had a 10 at a time. So I would have 10 at one time, 10 in the morning and then 10 in the afternoon. They still Um, take care of those dogs. But yeah, look, uh, so I spent a lot of my childhood in Italy. So Mm -hmm. uh, we had a place in Tuscany. And so I think they've come a long way. I think Italy and parts of Italy still remain pretty bad with regards to animal welfare. But... They are making different strides in different areas. Like for example, for mm-hmm. example, shot collars are banned there now. And um oh, that's good. And uh, we have three great trainers in in Italy: um, Daniela, Daniela, and Giorgio. And they're in Rome and um, Lake Como. Oh, great! So they, yeah. So I get a chance to go back there. But it is an amazing country, and oh, uh, animals are so important. And I really think that you know, animal welfare is important because. Our children are learning from what we do. And if they see us treating mm-hmm. animals badly, they're going to do the same. And that's why I think it's really important that, you know, these countries get ahead. And I really hope the situation in Santorini um, changes. I really do. Yeah. So, and it's good. So you have those trainers there in I Rome. Do. But
1: you're getting more trainers because yes. you have a new academy. Ooh, ooh. So... I love this. So soon you're going to, there's going to be Victoria Stowell Positively trainers across the
2: universe. Everywhere. I, I've been wanting to do an academy for years, for years. I want to give a, a really amazing place for people to go to that just want to be trainers, that don't really have any experience in that, in the training, um, in training or teaching dogs. They might work with dogs in a different mm-hmm. capacity, but to, to be a trainer. So it's called the Victoria Stoll Academy for Dog Training and Behavior. Ooh, I want to find out more about it. Now, you've got
1: Tia Guest, an amazing trainer, an amazing woman, running the academy. So yes. let's get her on the phone. I want to ask her some questions.
0: The Positively Hotline is ringing.
1: We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here.
0: Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham.
2: That is interesting. That's exciting.
0: Um, is somebody going to answer that?
2: Hello? Taking any of this seriously. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Tia, welcome. It's great to talk to you. Hi, Tia. Hi. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, very excited, obviously, about the Academy. Can't believe that years and years of planning is finally here.
1: I know you've been talking about this for a while. We
2: have, but I I don't think Careful planning. Yeah, careful well to set something up like this is massive and my um you know the the whole team has been working really hard to to get it to this point but um
1: explain to you how it works um you know for people so i went i just went to the website which is vsdta.com and i see i mean it's a beautiful website the ultimate learning experience so what is it that people do when they get here
0: so what I really love about this program is that we tried to create as much hands-on practical learning as possible, and I think that's what makes us really unique. So students go through a combination of classroom, what we call intensives, and then working with a mentor, and also supplementing their learning with online lessons and biweekly cyber classes. So it's really a unique combination that gives students the ultimate learning experience.
1: And so how long are the classes? Give us sort of a rundown of what you're signing up for.
0: The entire course is six months. And during that six month program, students travel twice to the locations of our intensives. And that's where they meet with Victoria and other faculty in a classroom setting. So the first time they, they do an intensive, it's for five days. And the second time is eight days. And then in between those intensives, that's when they're out working in, a, in what we call the field modules where they are working under a mentor mm-hmm. and getting hands-on practical experience. And during the time that they're working with the mentor is also when they do the online lessons and the cyber classes.
1: And so where, where are the locations?
2: Well at the moment the, the location we have is Atlanta.-huh so, um, but we, we really hope to make this as accessible to as many people as we can all over the world. so we, we do have dreams to expand to other areas as well. but That's for great. now, certainly for the first few courses it will be in Atlanta, Georgia. And so who can anybody do this? Is this for anybody? we're really it's for beginners yeah i mean it's for people who maybe have a little bit of dog experience but not really any training experience we wanted to give something that um people who maybe it's a second career or even if it's a first career they don't know too much about it but they really love dogs and they really want to make this a career we wanted to give them something that they could go to a lot of courses out there you know maybe you have to have a little bit of experience before Mm -hmm. you start but we really have geared this course to give you a great foundation in so many different aspects of dog training and behavior.
1: But it, So if it's it's a beginner, so, so Tia, for somebody like me, I have dogs, I love dogs, you know, I'll always have dogs now. Could I do it even if I don't plan on becoming a professional trainer, but just to be a better dog owner and to help my friends?
0: Absolutely. Now, you would also be learning teaching skills, teaching Mm -hmm. with positive reinforcement, and business skills. And we're really providing nuts and bolts for people that have the aim of starting their own business. So that would all be additional information for you, but you would absolutely love and gain so much from the dog training and behavior aspects of the course.
1: But I think it's good because, you know, a lot of times people say to me, oh, my gosh, my dog is marking in the house what to do, and I'm like, I don't don't try. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But this could help because you're – Informally, it's not like okay, well, give me 50 bucks and I'll tell you what to do. But you know what I mean? You're really actually helping spread the positive message.
2: We, we are, and I think what what really makes our course stand out is because we do we're, we're very inclusive. We're doing a lot about behavior. We're doing a lot about cognition. Um, We're doing a lot of different methods uh, of teaching and training and learning. Um, But also, yeah, we we are offering practical information. We want people to have hands-on experience working with dogs and all kinds of dogs in all kinds of situations. Um, And that's really important. But also what's important is that we're teaching people how the business of being a trainer. You know, for so long... Dog trainers or training has been a profession where uh, I'll, I'll just become a dog trainer and there's no real cr- accreditation and there's no licensing and there's no, um, or hasn't had for a long time a licensing body. And we're saying this is a really important profession because not only, you know, we're dealing with people's dogs and animals Mm -hmm. in their homes we're going into people's homes Mm -hmm. we're going into their lives we're dealing with something that's a very important part of their lives you need to have good people skills you need to have good business skills you need to know your stuff um and and that's what we're going to be giving our students that's why uh, i think that this course is a cut above the rest tia are you a trainer or
0: i am yes how did you get wrapped up in this (laughs) (laughs) I got lucky (laughs) I I met met Victoria and Van several years ago and we've kept in touch over the years and when I heard about this opportunity it was just a, a dream come true
2: yeah, we thought who, who would we love to have as our director of academy? And I remember my husband saying to me, he said, "Oh gosh, if we 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 need to find our Tia guest because we knew Tia's work before, uh-huh. and she's you know she's got such a great reputation within this industry. We need to find our Tia guest." And then we actually found that she was available. You found so Tia we, guest. We found the actual Tia guest, <laughs> and um and it's it's been a really amazing experience. Um,
1: it's a great day. You know, think about it. I just read an article about millennials and how this generation, you know, 18 to 30 something, 32 35, that it's it's a hard job market now and you know, a lot of these kids are coming out of school with a lot of debt, they're living in their parents' basements. And so, hey, this might be an option for a career, at least, you know, start out doing this and maybe learn how to become a an entrepreneur, a business owner and then you have these great skills your whole life to be a responsible dog owner. I love it. I think it's such a great idea. Yeah.
2: Well, Tia, we just were so pleased and and uh, proud that you're on board. Thank you so much for speaking us to to, to us today. Hey,
1: quick question before we go: Is this going to yeah. like cost me another mortgage on my house?
2: <laughs> it's not definitely free, not. It's not free, but it's also it's you know yeah. it's very it's it's competitive with everybody else, and you're gonna really gonna you're gonna get a lot out of it. So and it could make you a ton
1: of money in the future so it, it, it's definitely yeah worth not it. us
2: a ton of money yeah. but, no. but you in your business if you want to become a trainer look there's there's a lot of money in dogs and yeah, uh, and children billions. so Bill- they're never going to go away so you, you're going to have a job for the life. dogs or the kids yeah well both <laughs> thank, thank you tia
1: it's good to talk to you bye tia thank you bye wow i I kinda want to go to the academy. You're very welcome. You know what? I because I swear I think I'm a trainer because I listen to you and I try by osmosis to get all of your smarts. Um, but we, we can't all be Victoria Stowell. So, well. so <laughs> let's instead let's not even pick Victoria's yeah. brain. Okay. Ask Victoria anything. Hey, you got something on your mind! Are you a Genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way or some process they, they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what the devil is going on? That's a
2: really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time
0: you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know? You obviously uh, don't my dog. Just ask Victoria.
2: Ask Victoria is brought to you by Zooks. Dogs delight in learning, and Zooks provides the energy they need to fuel every training session. For 20 years, Zooks has created natural treats that energize and entice your dogs with wholesome, antioxidant rich ingredients. Zooks are as nutritious as they are delicious. Learn more at
1: zooks.com. All right, here's the question that I want to jump into because this could be written. By me. This is Linda in New York. Work compatriots, Linda. Um, my male Sheltie wants to chase cars and goes crazy when a car passes on our walk. How can I stop him from doing this? I'm afraid he'll get loose and get hit. I walk him with a harness and a no-pull nose harness. He spins, he barks, he pulls, trying to chase the car when it passes. Nothing seems to work to stop him.
2: Now I wonder, is he chasing the car because it's fun? Is he chasing the car because he wants it to go away and he's scared of it? That's why I would really like to see the behavior and see is he getting really highly charged and almost excited about or is he a little fearful about it? Um, is he barking whilst he's doing it? Is he not barking? How's his body language? Is it going? Is it lunging forward and lunging back a little bit and then lunging forward again? Or is it just a straight lunge forward? Then what does he do after the car? Does he calm down? Does he continue walking? Is he okay? Does he start smelling? Does he start sniffing? Does he lift his leg? Does he go back to normal or is he highly charged? All of these things I look for. Is he be, do, doing dog training is being like, like being a detective? I know. Like, um, yeah. you gotta, you've gotta got to really look at what happens before, <laughs> during, and after. And so depending on what it is, if the dog is scared or, or if the dog is just highly charged, and likes chasing... You'll do kind of different um, behavior modification exercises, but let's just take let's just take the dog that it's just sort of fun. And uh, in either case, you have to redirect. You have to give the dog something else to do rather than that behavior, and it's got to be an active something else to do because the actual activity or the action of chasing is an activity in itself. So if you just get the dog to sit and look at you as the car goes past. That doesn't have any effect. Mm -hmm. So if you do it, do an activity and engage the dog in some way. So this is what I do. I see a car in the distance coming towards me. I will bring out the dog's favorite toy and play the dog's favorite game or the favorite food and start throwing it on the ground, do a, a game of find it, or I'll do a game of tug, or the dog can have his ball, something that he only gets... Just before a car comes past, right? We're talking about walking him in a, in a very in an area where there aren't a lot of cars, okay? And that's how you have to start. You can't just go to a main road mm-hmm. and just with cars. However, having said that, sometimes for some dogs, going to a main road where there's just a zillion cars going past is it's flooding. So sometimes it can actually backfire, especially if a dog is scared of cars. But there are now there are so many cars to chase they actually don't chase anyone any any car and um, the problem with that is is when you go back to the quiet street again and there's a car that goes past then they lunge at that mm-hmm. again so it doesn't you have curb to the behavior right so you can try going where there's a place with a lot of cars but i would like to start and address the issue in a quiet, ro- quiet road, and you can have a friend drive the car. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes what I'll do as well is I'll, I'll just have, I'll, I'll walk the dog past a stationary car, and then I'll walk the dog past a car with the engine on, and then I'll walk the dog past the car that's driving very slowly, and then I'll just move it a little faster so see what the reaction is and keep playing the game. That's what I suggest you do. That works. That's a,
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, you, you and I have had this conversation because my dog will do that, And just so you know, Linda, we're like this, you know, I've tried the ball, doesn't care. He's tried the tree. He does nothing does it. But one thing I did notice because I think he does it my dog Barnsley does it out of fear and so if I see a car coming I try to walk him as far away from the street if I have to go on someone's lawn or their driveway that's fine and the farther away he is usually is okay and I make him sit and then I put my body physically in front of him and I pet him so he knows I'm protecting you it's okay it's not going to hurt you and he's usually okay or if I can't get him in that position I go oh look and I'll make him sniff a bush or like a tree or something and then he "What? What?" yeah you, you know, give and him then, an activity to yeah. do and I, I I think that's really
2: great. Using that nose, because of was Barnsley being yeah. a hound, using that nose is a really good thing. So a distraction. And I also love that idea of giving the dog confidence by saying, hey, it's okay. I'm taking over here if, if the dog is fearful and body blocking. I use a lot of body blocking in training. And it's just basically saying, I'm here. I'm here to take over and I'm going to protect you, I keep gotcha. you safe. And he also... At the end of the walk he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't really
1: bark that much. He gets tired, so he's mm-hmm. like, no, all mm-hmm. right, I'm okay. Yeah. So that helps too. So <laughs> yeah. I try like, and walk him before rush hour, so if the cars start coming home at like five o'clock, five thirty, I've tired him out a little bit where he's like mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, and then also you can can also tie your dog out by throwing a ball in the backyard. We get him really tired, then take him out for a walk. That works really well, too. I'm going to try
1: that. Okay, this is um, from Barbara in Arizona, and um, she says, My dog acts aggressively when strangers get near my wheelchair. So it could be bus drivers hooking my chair in, anything like that. The problem is worse when he's sitting in my lap. What am I doing to make him think he's got to protect me?
2: What, what is this again? A ch- it's a, it's a just ch- a dog. A dog. Uh, it doesn't say what size the
1: dog is, but obviously if he's sitting in her Small. lap, I would see it smaller. Uh,
2: yeah, it's just a protection thing. I mm-hmm. think it's a little fear thing. You know, go away, get get away from me, get away from my valued resource, which is my human. Um, and mm, that's that's kind of a hard thing because there obviously there are going to be people that are going to come help mm-hmm. her because she's in a wheelchair and because so. Um, the only thing that I could think of is to do setups, really, of whenever people approach, they sort of think, throw good food at this dog or um and you do it with people that he knows first and then you do it with people that he hasn't met you know maybe he's met a couple of times that and and then you do it with strangers uh, and you do all this inside the house then you take it out into the front or backyard and then you start doing it in different situations so you build up gradually so now he has loads of experienced people coming up filling the chair and whilst whilst they do that always getting peanut butter or Mm. something amazing so now yeah something awesome that and then he goes oh all right well this ain't so bad when people come up you know i get good things happen to me and actually i don't have to be scared
1: that's a good one okay um this is from jessica in virginia and she says she has a two-year-old male boxer named bronx he's adored by family and friends but he's just too excited about everything when the door rings or someone knocks he's right there He also dashes out the door when the kids or someone he knows is not strong enough opens the door. I need help in getting him to stop running out. The neighbors complain even though he has no desire to attack anyone or their pets, people are scared of him. He never runs away. Simply will get out and just run in circles in front of the house until he's exhausted. Please
2: Lovely help. what fun <laughs> what fun and you know i I love it when dogs get excited. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got that kind of problem fabulous because too many dogs that I see are not excited when people come to the house or when the door opens and so it's a totally different deal I okay don't get rid of that excitement you want <clears throat> that dog to be excited but just a little bit more impulse control so mm-hmm. you have to do <clears throat> setups at the door. You have to teach the dog that when the door is open, the dog does not run out. Don't expect the dog (laughs) to leave the door open and walk away from it and not expect the dog to run out. This is when you're opening the door and you want your dog to to stay in one place or not run out the door. So I teach the dog to go to their mat, to um, stay behind an imaginary line and to sit, sit and stay until I say, okay, and what I'll do is, first of all, I'll teach them to sit and stay and I don't mind. It can be stand and stay. I don't care. Just stay in one stay, place. Yeah. As, as, as <clears throat> stay, yeah. Until I say it's okay. And then I, um, I'll go up to the door and start rattling the handle. Now, if the door dog comes to the handle, to the door with the sound of the handle, then I'll just put him back behind the line again. Body block him, put him back behind the line and just say stay. And I basically, I build up to the fact where I can open the door completely. And the dog is still staying behind the line and then shut the door and give the dog a great reward saying, hey, that's great. Play the game, something like that. Because, you know, the actual act of running out, and running around and playing outside Mm -hmm. is so fun. So then that brings me up to my next point is the dog getting enough outlets for its energy. It's a boxer. So they're very energetic. Mm -hmm. They need to have a lot of outlet, a lot of walking, a lot of great games, a lot of fun play. I I, I don't think you're you're feeding that meter too much. I, I think you've got to do more. Perfect. Okay, this
1: is from Anna in Ohio. She says she's a one-year-old male golden doodle who puts a paw in my lap when I'm sitting in a chair, a couch, wherever. He has big, heavy paws that scratch or damage, whatever it is I'm working on or just otherwise is annoying. I've tried to remove his paw or push him away, but he's quick to replace it. Also, if I don't do anything, he gets his other front foot up there to push himself and get up in my face. I'm new to positive training and want to know the best way to positively change this behavior. And I love her for wanting to positively change it. That's Anne in Ohio.
2: Thank you, Anne. Um, Your dog wants attention. It's like a little kid tugging at mum's coat. Yeah, you know, I want attention. And even negative attention is attention. Mm. But I wonder what's in this dog that it feels that need to have attention at these various times. And so I don't like it when you say, oh, you don't ever, don't give them attention. But because there might be an underlying anxiety problem that mm. if you don't give them attention... That makes the actual behavior even worse as the dog tries harder. So if the dog doesn't have an anxiety issue and it's literally just, I'm bored, I want some attention now. Well, then it's, it is a question of not giving attention when the paw goes up. But if the dog is anxious, then what can you give it the rest of its life or within you know activities or the rest of its day how can you improve that dog's day it feels less need to get your attention all the time I think it's a good problem to have I would rather have a dog that's more needy in a way that loves that attention than a dog that's like growls and says, stay away from me yeah so I mean that's what I recommend that that uh, that you do Okay. okay.
1: And the last one, we have time for one more. Let's do Christine in North Carolina, and she says, I have one-year-old Westie littermates. They've begun aggressively fighting with one another. When we got them at 12 weeks, we had them in the same crate. We also have a 14-year-old Westie who's getting upset when the puppies fight. How do we break the puppies of this horrible fighting? Someone's going to get hurt. And oh, I can yes. tell you that my aunt, uh, who also lives in North Carolina, she had an issue, the same thing, with brothers they were spaniels and she had to give one to her daughter and her husband now i
2: have a big thing about siblings siblings female siblings the worst Mm. um when you adopt two sibling pups together you're asking for trouble i mean if you are then or if you however she got them if it's a male and female maybe a bit better but i always advise don't adopt siblings if you can help it, especially not siblings of the same sex, oh. because there's competition, because, yeah. you know, rather like humans, because you think they'd be like best friends, they're fighting like ah.
1: twins, you know,
2: no, you know, it's all about fighting for resources and what's valuable to one might not be valuable to the other. But then if something is of equal value to both of them, that's when fights can happen. Mm. It's, it depends on the severity of the fights. I believe that if a dog is putting another dog into the hospital, Then that's time to rehome. Um, but for dogs that are just sort of squabbling, I I teach them to share. So find, first of all, I find out trigger points. What are the trigger points that cause these disagreements or these arguments, these fights? Meaning like a
1: treat or a toy
2: or attention. Oh, yeah. If, if, if you're stroking one dog and that annoys the other dog and it comes along and that starts a fight, well, all you do is you just, you get up and you walk away. But, um, what, what's the trigger point? When you found the trigger point, you either eliminate the trigger point like you're doing with your dogs that you've bought them two monkeys, two monkey toys.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly
2: the same. Cashmere has a monkey toy. Barnsley has a monkey toy. But that doesn't matter because they want each other's monkey toys. Mm-hmm. And then that causes fights and arguments. And you've done a great thing that, you know, you've taken the toys away mm-hmm. like kids. If you're not going to play nice, you're not going to play at all. Yeah. Taking the toy away. But you you give them toy time. So there's one toy uh, outside and one dog can have a toy inside.
1: That so they can enjoy it without... Time. Yeah.
2: That went off, by the way. Um, and that's 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 what I would do. And then I also teach dogs to share attention and time with people as well. But um, try that. Find your trigger point and then work to... Eliminate um, it or yeah.
1: make it easier yes. or something like that. Yeah. Great. Always good advice. And, um, Thank you. Uh, you know, last week we got so many people um our last podcast people mm-hmm. talking about the marmot, which if you haven't did, seen it, did I Did They still... talk about
2: nothing else except I know, the marmot. Exactly.
1: Oh my god. But gosh. I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't had a chance to see yes. <laughs> We're not gonna say it. Marmot, but please we do have another funny video um that you can see. And by the way, if you want to see these, just go to the com page and you see the little tabs on the top and there's one that says community hit it and pull it down and you'll see positively podcast And all of our podcasts are there and that's where this video will be we found another great one this my husband sean found this one and actually it's i've caught him watching it many times <laughs> <laughs> um they're um what kind of dogs are they they're malamutes, malamutes where they look like basically little husky type yes. things and they're all furry and cute and they hear music and there's a bunch of them. And, again, I'm not going to tell you what happens. You have to see how they react <laughs> when they hear music. So, again, Positively.com, pull down the tab Community, go to the Positively podcast. You can hear all the podcasts. You can, uh, by the way, too, if you want to ask Victoria a question, go ahead and uh, send us a question for uh, the podcast com slash Victoria. And we will get to your issues.
0: And
2: this has been a
1: great podcast. I love it. No. So, so, should we do it again? I think we should. All right.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria
0: Stillwell, or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.